Amen. All right, well, we're there in Job chapter number 18. And of course, on Wednesday nights, we're making our way through the book of Job. And uh, we find ourselves right in uh, the midst of this conversation between uh, Job and his friends. And if you remember, uh, Job has this conversation with his three friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. In this conversation, all three of them at three different times, and we are calling those round one, round two, round three, uh, at three different times, they all uh, speak to Job, and Job responds to them. And the majority of the book of Job is that conversation between him and his three friends. There's a fourth guy that will show up later uh, in the book. Uh, but here, in this chapter, we have Bildad the Shuhite speaking to Job uh, for the second time, or in round two. And if you notice in verse number one, the Bible says this, Then answered Bildad the Shuhite and said. So we have his uh, next statement here. And if, uh, in just kind of by way of introduction, uh, I'll, I'll explain to you a little bit about this chapter. The chapter is kind of divided into two small sections. The first section is verses 1 through 4, and it's really just kind of an introduction of Bildad uh, getting ready to say what he wants to say uh, to Job. And then in verses 5 through 21, we, we have the meat of his argument and what he's saying. And uh, so let me just kind of walk you through real quickly through uh, the introduction aspect of this chapter, and then we'll get into the meat of his argument. Um, Bildad, here in verses 1 through 4, or really 2 through 4, because verse 1 just tells us that Bild, then answered Bildad the Shuhite and said, in these, uh, in these three verses, he kind of just has his introduction, and it's an insulting introduction. If you remember, this has been a very uh, uh, chaotic uh, argument between Job and his friends. They've been insulting each other and, and, and you know, just uh, uh, arguing and fighting with each other. And, of course, we see this here in this chapter as well. If you look at verse 2, notice what uh, Bildad says. He says, How long will it be ere ye make an end of words? And so he's basically saying, you know, how long are you going to talk for? You know, how long are you going to continue to defend yourself? Then he says this, Mark, and afterward we will speak. Uh, so he's saying, you know, Job, why don't you just tell us when you're done? And then, and then we'll speak after that because it's been this going back and forth. And for three rounds, it's going to be this way. We're in round two of, of, of this conversation. And, you know, he, he's saying, why don't you just tell us when you're done, and then we're going to go ahead and speak and judge you. Notice verse 3, he says, Wherefore are we counted as beasts and reputed vile in your sight? So he's telling Job, and Job has made this clear over the last several chapters, that he doesn't think very much of his friends. He doesn't think they're very smart, and, and he's you know called them all sorts of names and things. Verse 4, he teareth himself in anger. Shall the earth forsake for thee, and shall the rock be removed? Out of his place. So in verses 2 and 3, when he says, How long will it be ere ye make an end of words? Mark, and afterward we will speak. Wherefore are we counted as beasts and reputed vile in your sight? In, in, in verse 2, really, what Bildad is basically saying is just saying, Job, when are you going to shut up? You know, when are you going to just shut your mouth? And, you know, why don't you tell us when you're done so that we can speak and we can rebuke you afterwards? And then in verse 4, he says, Shall the earth be forsaken for thee, and shall the rock be removed out of his place? And what he's basically saying is, Job, the, the world doesn't revolve around you. God doesn't revolve around you. And again, this is, this is not correct. Oh, I mean, the world doesn't revolve around Job. But, you know, this guy is being negative and, and is being uh, confrontational with Job. And, and they're upset with each other at this point. And he's saying, shall the earth be forsaken for thee? And shall the rock be removed out of his place? He said, is God going to do, you know, special things upon the earth and, and, and remove the course of the world for you? You and I would say today, you know, do you think the world revolves around you, Job? So we see this insulting introduction in verses uh, uh, 1, 2, 3, and 4. And then in verse 5, he really gets into the meat of what he's uh, talking about. But in order for you to understand what Bildad is talking about in verses 5, through the end of the chapter, you really need to begin at verse 21, or just to get the context and understand his argument. If you look down at verse number 21, the last verse in the chapter, I want you to notice what, what, uh, uh, what he says here at the end of the, the chapter. Verse 21 says this, Surely such are the dwellings of the wicked. He says, Surely such are the dwellings of the wicked, 
and this is the place of him that knoweth not God. So what Bildad is doing in this chapter between verses 4 through uh, 20 is he begins to explain what a wicked person looks like or how a wicked person lives. And here's the thing about Bildad. And if you remember, when you get to the end of the book of Job, God steps in. At the end of the conversation, God is the one who actually speaks for the last uh, 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 couple of chapters there. And then God basically says, hey, Job's right and his three friends uh, were wrong. And Job even has to, you know, he prays for his friends. And of course, Job said some wrong things as well. He has to repent as well. But God at the end says his friends were wrong. Now, here's what you need to understand. And we've talked about this as we've been walking through this book, is that everything they said is, is not necessarily wrong. Now, there are some things they said that are just flat-out lies. And we've kind of pointed those out for you as we've gone through. A lot of the things that these guys said that was wrong, it's not necessarily that it was a wrong statement. It was just wrongly applied to Job. So it wasn't a, a, a wrong thing that they said. They're just applying it to Job, and it's not true of Job. So here's what's interesting with Bildad, is that if you compare Scripture with Scripture, and we're going to do that as we walk through this chapter, we'll find that, generally speaking, everything Bildad says about wicked people is pretty accurate. Generally speaking, everything he says in this chapter about wicked people is fairly on mark if you're actually talking about a wicked person. But when you are giving these statements about what a wicked person lives like or what a wicked person looks like and then applying it to Job, that's where you're wrong because Job actually wasn't wicked. Job was an upright man. He was a perfect man. He was a righteous man. So we're going to look at what Bildad says about wicked people and we're going to compare a lot of scriptures and we're going to show we actually get some good insight and thoughts and characteristics about wicked people, but it's just not true about Job. So you kind of need to understand that. Uh, it's not true about Job. That's why Bildad is wrong. He's wrong in his application to Job, but what he's saying is not necessarily wrong. In fact, generally speaking, uh, some of the things that he says are pretty on point. So let me just give you some thoughts here, because he kind of does a study, Bildad. On the wicked. That's why he ends his talk in verse 21 by saying, Surely such are the dwellings of the wicked, and this is the place of him that knoweth not God. So, you know, let me just identify for you or define for you a, a wicked person uh, and the way that Bildad does it in this chapter. And a wicked person is someone who's living their life as if they don't know God or as if there is no God. He says, surely such are the dwellings of the wicked, and this is the place of him that knoweth not God. And when he says knoweth not God there, I don't believe he's referring to like, you know, they don't know about God, meaning they don't know God. They don't walk with God. They don't have a relationship with God. So this could be an unsaved person who maybe just, you know, they sure they believe in God or, you know, there's a God out there, but they don't know God. They're not walking with God. They're not mindful of God and their relationship with God. And sadly, there are some saved people out there who live as if there is no God. Or as if they don't know God. Or as if they, God doesn't know them. Or as if they don't understand what God expects of them. So we're talking about someone that's living a wicked life. For the context of this chapter, what we're talking about is someone who lives as if they don't know God or they actually don't know God. Uh, uh, they live their life as though God is not interested in them, and they are not interested in God. So, what can we learn in this chapter? Go, go back to Job chapter 18, if you would, and look at verse number 5. I'm going to give you uh, six uh, points tonight, or six statements, and I'd encourage you to write these down, just an outline from this chapter. Number one, what we see from Bildad is this. Generally speaking, wicked people live in darkness. Now again, he's applying this to Job. This is not true of Job, but this is true in general about wicked people. Wicked people live in darkness. Job 18, look at verse 5. And when we say darkness, we're talking about spiritual darkness. Job 18 and verse 5, the Bible says this, Yea, the light of the wicked shall be put out, and the spark, notice the word, spark of his fire shall not shine. He's, he's saying, look, Wicked people don't live in the light. They don't walk in the light. The light of the wicked shall be put out, and the spark of his fire shall not shine. Look at verse 6. The light shall be dark in his tabernacle, and his candle shall be put out with 
him. Skip down to verse number 18. Notice what the Bible says. He shall be driven from light into darkness and chased out of this world. So here Bildad tells us, look, wicked people, they live their lives in darkness. And again, we're not talking about physical darkness. We're talking about spiritual darkness. They don't live their lives in the light. Well, this jives with the rest of Scripture because the rest of Scripture actually teaches this same concept. Again, not about Job, but it's not true about Job, but it is true about wicked people in general. Keep your place there in Job 18. That's our text for tonight. Go open to the book of John, if you would. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this tonight because I just got done preaching an entire series on shine as light, and we really delved into this idea of, of ye are the light of the world and all those things, but we'll just review some of those thoughts real quickly just because Bildad brings them up. John chapter 3 and verse 19, John three nineteen, the Bible says this, and this is the condemnation. You say, why is it that wicked people live in darkness? Why is it that Bildad is actually correct, not about Job, but about wicked people, when he says, the light of the wicked shall be put out, and the spark of his fire shall not shine, the light of the dark in his tabernacle and his candle shall be put out, Uh, he shall be driven, verse 18, from light into darkness. Why is that? Well, notice what Jesus said, John 3, 19, and this is the condemnation, that light, referring to Jesus, referring to truth, referring to the word of God, because Jesus is truth, Jesus is the word of God, He says, the Bible says, and this is the condemnation that light has come into the world. Notice, and men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. See, wicked people do not want to live in the light. They don't want to walk in the light. They don't want to be uh, a part of the light. They, they, They are against the light. Why? Because men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. So, when we talk about, you know, wicked people, here's a characteristic. They live in spiritual darkness. You say, well, what does that mean exactly? Or how, how, how can we apply that? Here, here's the, the application is, they don't want things to be brought out into the light. That's why they don't come to a church like Verity Baptist Church. That's why this church is not a mega church, and it'll never be a mega church. You say, why? Because every time we meet here, we take the light of the Word of God... I mean, the Bible says that, uh, that the Word of God is our light. It's a light unto our path. We take the light of the Word of God and we shine it all over you so that you can see what's wrong and fix it. But you know what wicked people want? They want to live in darkness. They don't ever want the light shown upon them. They don't want uh, the light of God's Word. They don't want... The Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, that's why some of you started coming to church like this. We started shining that, you know, light all over you. And you started realizing, wow, I didn't, man, I didn't realize I was so dirty. You know, you started to clean up a little bit. And then all of a sudden your friends were like, ah, oh, you know, I don't know. All of a sudden your family is just trying to stay away from you a little bit. Why? Because now you're, you're now the light's starting to shine. Amen. And now you're, you're the light. You're becoming a light. And now all of a sudden... You know, there's all these guilty consciences because you're shining a light on them. And you say, I don't know why they don't want to hang out with us anymore. Well, you know, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. And by the way, let me just say this. If you're a Christian in the world, if you're a Christian in the world has no problem hanging out with you, then you're not shining very light. You're not, you're not shining very well. There's something wrong there. They should not be comfortable getting drunk around you. They should not be comfortable getting high around you. They should not be comfortable watching whatever they're watching or listening to whatever they're listening to. There should be an uncomfortable... Look, I'm not saying you ought to be this righteous, pharisaical preacher, but there ought to be something about your life that says, well, you know, put the weed away, guys. I mean, Right? And if they're walking up to you and like, hey, you want some of this? There's something wrong with you. Something's not shining very well. Wicked people live in darkness. By the way, we're talking about spiritually here, but, you know, physically this applies as well. You know, kids, just mark it down. Every place that's dark, it's a wicked place. Casinos are wicked, and they're dark. Clubs are wicked, and they're dark. Today we have churches, rock concerts are wicked, and they're dark. And now we have churches that try to be dark 
so they can bring in a bunch of people. You're white because men love darkness rather than light. And, you know, by the way, let me say this. You don't need to be staying out, young guys and young gals, all hours of, of, of the night. Nothing good happens in the night. Nothing good happens in the dark. You know what happens in the dark? People get drunk in the dark. People fornicate in the dark. Girls get pregnant in the dark. You know, uh, uh, people get assaulted in the dark. Nothing good happens in the dark. Men love darkness rather than light, the Bible says, because their deeds are evil. If you're not doing anything wrong, come to the light. So we see that Bildad is actually correct here, because the light of the wicked, he says, shall be put out. And generally speaking, this is not true about Job, but generally speaking, wicked people live in darkness. Go, go back to, to, to Job, if you would. While you go back to Job, I'll just read to you out of Ephesians chapter 5. The Bible says this, verse 11, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things, which are none of them in secret, but all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. So how do I know if I'm living in the light? Are you making manifest? If you're making manifest, the Bible says you are living in light. So we see, number one, that generally speaking, not about Job, but generally speaking, wicked people live in uh, darkness. And as a, good, as a rule of thumb, avoid dark places. There's been times where my wife and I, you know, somebody gave us a gift card or something. We went somewhere to a restaurant maybe we'd never uh, uh, been to before. And we get there, and it's just dark. You know, and music's blaring, and it's just like, you know, just, there's something in your spirit that just kind of says, like, this is not somewhere we should be. You know, it's like, uh, we'll, we'll take it to go. You know, and then we just never go back there again. You say, you say, why? Because, look, there should be something about you that just realizes when things are dark and things are, are, are like that. That's why bars are dark, casinos are dark, clubs are dark. Look, turn the lights on. There's nothing wrong going on, then turn the lights on. And, uh, you know, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Go back to Job chapter 18. Notice what he says the second thing. Not only, number one, generally speaking, wicked people live in darkness, but he also says this, generally speaking, now he applies this to Job and it's wrong, but it's correct about wicked people in general. Generally speaking, wicked people get wrong counsel. Wicked people get wrong counsel, and I will say this, wicked people give wrong counsel. Job 18, verse 7, notice what he says. The steps of his strength shall be straightened, and his own counsel... Notice, he's talking about wicked people. He's applying it to Job, not true about Job, but it is true about wicked people in general. The steps of his strength shall be straightened, and his own counsel shall cast him down. Bildad says, hey, you know what happens to wicked people? They take their own counsel, and their own counsel cast them down. Go to Proverbs chapter 14, if you would. Proverbs 14, you're there in Job, you have Psalms, and then the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 14. If you'd like, put your, keep a ribbon or a bookmark or something there in Proverbs, because we're going to leave it and come back to Proverbs uh, several times throughout the sermon tonight. Proverbs chapter 14. Here's what Bildad says about wicked people. His own counsel shall cast them down. Proverbs 14, verse 12. Notice what the Bible says. There is a way. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. See, his own counsel shall cast him down. The world is full of wicked, unsaved people. We're not saying they're reprobates, although some of them are, you know, you know, but just, just people who don't know God. They don't walk with God. They don't have a, a relationship with God. And they take their own counsel, they give their counsel to people, and it seemeth right. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. His own counsel shall cast him down. Go to Matthew chapter 15, if you would. First book in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 15. Look, wicked people get and give wrong counsel, so be very careful from whom you get counsel. The Bible says, Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the city of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law doth he meditate day and night. You know where you should get your counsel from? The Word of God. Amen. You know where you should get your counsel from? People that are teaching and preaching the Word of God. I mean, isn't that one of the benefits of coming to a place like Verity Baptist Church? People come to a church like this, and they're like, man, it turns out everything I was doing was wrong. Yeah, because you are walking as if there is no God. 
Because you did not know God, you were not walking with God, your own counsel shall cast him down. There is a way which seems right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So look, don't go to work and get counsel from your unsaved friends. They're going to give you the wrong counsel. They're going to tell you the wrong thing. They're going to tell you to do the opposite of the light. Because look, they live in darkness, and people that live in darkness can't tell you which way to go. Here's how Jesus said it. Matthew 15, look at verse 14. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. Now, what is a blind person? What's, the, what's wrong with a blind person? What's wrong with a blind person is that they're living in darkness. Now, if somebody's physically blind, obviously we want to love them and help them. You know, this, uh, but, the, but the spiritual application here is when somebody is spiritually blind, they, they can't see, there's darkness, They can't help you. Look, they are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into a ditch. Into the ditch. A blind person can't lead you. They don't know where they're going. And if you're blind and they're blind, you know what's going to happen? You're both going to end up in the ditch. So wicked people get and give wrong counsel. Again, this was not correct about Job, but it was correct about wicked people in general. And that's why, go back to Job 18 if you would, that's why we must get our counsel from the Word of God. And you don't have to turn here, I'll just read this for you, James chapter 1. The Bible says this, For if any be a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his face, his natural face in a glass, for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, he continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. See, the word of God says that the word of God is a light. But here in James, it says that the word of God is like a mirror. And, and what the Bible t- is telling us here is that the Bible will be brutally honest with you. And some of you just figured out our agenda for nine chapters a day. Why, why do you spend, you know, those plaques, I mean, I don't know how much we, you know, we've got like 90 names we put on those plaques. So those things cost like $400 or $500 to put, make those things. Why do you uh, do those plaques? Well, because when we started, it cost like $30, you know, 10 years ago when we had like six names on there. And uh, so, you know, it's a good problem to have. But, you know, you say, why do you, why do you push nine chapters a day? Why do you put our names on a plaque? Why do you try to get everybody to read the Bible? Everybody read the Bible. Everybody read the Bible. You know why I try to get people to read the Bible? Because the Bible is like a mirror. And when you look at it and actually look at it and open your eyes, it's brutally honest. Amen. Hebrew says it like this, For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. I mean, you say, uh, Pastor Emmanuel, you're kind of brutally honest uh, when you preach. You know what's brutally honest is the Word of God. Amen. And when you read the Word of God and you actually look at your life through the lens of the Word of God, you realize, wow, I've got some issues. I've got some problems. I've got some things I need to correct. I've got some things that were not right. It's like, look, and by the way, that's the whole point of looking, reading the Bible. That's the whole point of coming to church like this that preaches the Bible in heavy doses. It's like looking in a mirror. There's no point, there's no point of you coming to a church like this, listening to preaching like this, and doing nothing with it. I'm not saying you need to do everything we say, you know, uh, from the very beginning. Obviously, people need to grow and they need time. But if you just come to the church and you're just like, I've been here for like 10 years and nothing's changed. I mean, nothing's, I haven't grown, you know, nothing good has happened in my life. Hey, it's like you're looking in the mirror. You see your hair's all messed up. You see you've got a piece of broccoli in your teeth. You see that your tie's all messed up. And, and you, say, you say, wow, look at that. Good night. You know, and then you walk away and don't fix anything. Three times a week, you show up and say, wow, still looks bad. Walk away, don't do anything. Sunday morning, wow, still looks terrible. Sunday night, wow, still looks up. When are you going to get the broccoli out of your teeth? When are you going to do something about what you see in the perfect law of liberty? It's like, a, it's like a man, he that, if any, the Bible says, be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, straightway forgetteth, what matter of man he was. Don't be like that. But whoso looketh into a perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his 
deed. So we see, number one, that generally speaking, wicked people live in darkness. And we see, number two, that generally speaking, wicked people get and give wrong counsel. So be careful about getting counsel from wicked people. Make sure when you get counsel, you get it from the Word of God, or you get it from people who are getting it from the Word of God. Number three, go back to Job chapter 18, if you would. Look at verse 7. The steps of his strength. Then he begins to talk about the strength of the wicked man. The steps of his strength shall be straightened, and his own counsel shall cast him down. Look at verse 12. His strength shall be hunger-bitten. And the idea there is that he has no strength. He's weak. He's malnourished. He, he doesn't have the nutrients he needs. His strength shall be hunger-bitten, and destruction shall be ready at his side. I want you to make note of that uh, phrase there. Destruction shall be ready at his side. Look at verse 13. It shall devour the strength of his skin. Even the firstborn of death shall devour his strength. So his strength is being devoured. His strength is hunger-bitten. It says that it shall devour the strength of his skin. It says that uh, uh, that death shall devour his strength. It says that his strength shall be hunger-bitten. And this is all connected to the fact that destruction shall be ready at his side. Now, I want you to notice that in verse 14, we get uh, the Bible defines what, what he's calling strength here. Because obviously, strength can be different things. It could be physical strength, emotional strength, spiritual strength. Look at verse 14. He says this. His confidence shall be rooted out of his tabernacle, and it shall bring him to the king of terrors. So when we're talking about the fact that they're without strength, because you say, well, uh, wicked people seem pretty strong to me, and they might seem strong to you physically, they might seem strong to you financially, they might seem strong to you in regards to power, and maybe they're, they're, they're in high positions of power, but the Bible says here that their confidence, the strength of their confidence is hunger-bitten, uh, the, the strength of their confidence is being devoured, and uh, you say, why? Because destruction shall be ready at a sec. So here's what we learn. Number three, generally speaking, this is not true about Job, but generally speaking about wicked people, wicked people live in uncertainty. There's no confidence, there's no certainty to their lives. You say, what do you mean? Well, they, they have this, the sky is falling mentality. I mean, right? Destruction shall be ready at a sec. At his side, there's always destruction. At his side, there's always something, you know, some pending doom, some everything's going to be destroyed. This is, this is how wicked people live. And you say, oh, I don't know if that's true. Okay, uh, turn on the news. I mean, doesn't, doesn't the, the, the unsaved world just feed off of this idea that wicked people just live in constant uncertainty? I mean... Just watch, the, and look, it doesn't matter if you watch the liberal CNN Democrat news, or if you watch the conservative Fox News, if you watch the conspiracy theory Alex Jones, it doesn't matter who you're watching, they all are pushing the same, they've all got the same sales pitch. Pending doom! The sky is falling! Things, you know, things are just going to be destroyed and everything's going to be terrible and, you know, buy my products. Right? I mean, some of you are just like, ah, Alex Jones is like my favorite preacher. It's like, you know what the guy sells? He sells fear. Everything's going to be destroyed. And I've got, you know, I've got a, a, a contract with this gold company. And if you, you know, just type in my name, you'll get 20% off. And, you know, and here's the thing. They, that's what they all do. And there's, there's no new thing under the sun. You know, and look, there is the sky is falling mentality. That's why it doesn't matter. You know, we, they just did the an, inauguration for, for Joe Biden. And look, you know, let me, let me break it to you. Joe Biden's wicked. He's a pedophile. He's a reprobate, whatever. But you know what? Life will continue. You know what we've learned over coronavirus is that, you know, the governor of your state has more control over how he affects your life than some guy in Washington. 
So, you know, if you want to recall somebody, recall Gavin Newsom, and you ought to recall, you know, you ought to sign that petition if you haven't already. You know, but you know, I'm not saying we shouldn't be against these people. I'm against Gavin Newsom. I'm against Joe. But, you know, it's just funny because, like, it doesn't matter every election. This is the worst, you know, thing. And when it was, when it was Obama, it was like, the worst possible guy that could ever be elected to destroy everything. Hillary Clinton, the worst possible. Joe Biden, the worst possible. But you know, on the other side, they're saying the exact same thing. George Bush is the worst possible. Neil Con- Donald Trump is the worst possible. It doesn't matter who it is. You know what they sell? Uncertainty. You know what they sell? Fear. The sky's falling. The destruction shall be ready at his side. Now, obviously, there's nothing wrong with being prepared. The Bible says that a prudent man foreseeth evil and hideth himself. We understand that we can be ready and we can be prepared. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, making sure you've got some food in your house and have some flashlights or a generator or whatever. All of those things are fine. But look, don't live your life in uncertainty. Like, just like, what's going to happen? Look, if the worst possible thing happens and they kill us all, I've got a plan. I'm going to heaven. Amen. I, th- there's nothing uncertain about that. I've got no uncertainty. Well, what if we kill you? That's the most certain thing I've got. And the most certain thing I've got is heaven. Everything else, the Bible says, that uh, will get corrupt and, 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 and will get destroyed. So wicked people live in uncertainty. Destruction shall be ready at his side. And this is true. Now again, this was not true about Job, but it was true in general about wicked people. Go, go uh, to Job 18. I'm not sure where you're at. Look at verse 8. Job chapter 18, verse 8. Let me give you the fourth one. Now again, Bildad is applying this to Job, and this is incorrect. This is not true about Job. But he's talking about wicked people, and generally speaking, this is true about wicked people. Notice what he says in verse 8. He says, for he is cast into a net. And the word net there is referring to a uh, bag of threads or cords designed to catch or ensnare something. I think everybody probably knows what a net is. For he is cast into a net by his own feet. And he walketh upon a snare. What is a snare? It is a device consisting of a noose for capturing game. Something that a, uh, an animal would walk into and then it would uh, squeeze around its leg and capture it. So he says in verse 8 that he, talking about the wicked man, is cast into a net. He says he walketh upon a snare. Verse 9, he says the jinn shall take him by the heel. Again, that is a trap or a snare. Uh, And the robber shall prevail against him. Verse 10, the snare, he already mentioned that in verse 8, the snare, something consisting of a noose for capturing game, is laid for him in the ground, and a trap. What's a trap? A mechanical device that springs shut suddenly to catch game. The trap for him, uh, uh, and a trap for him in the way. Here's what's interesting. In verses 8, 9, and 10, he uses four different words to basically describe the same thing. He used the word net, the word snare, uses the word snare twice, the word gin, and the word trap. And he's laying this idea, go back to Proverbs if you would, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 5, that wicked people, not only do they live in darkness, not only do they get and give wrong counsel, not only do they live in uncertainty, but wicked people get caught in sin. They get captured. They get trapped. They get ensnared by sin. Notice what Proverbs says. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 22. You say, is Bildad right? Well, he's not right in applying this to Job, but he's right about this in general for wicked people. Proverbs 5.22, his own iniquities, what's an iniquity? It's a sin. His own iniquity shall take the wicked himself. So notice we're talking about wicked people. And he, who's the he there? The wicked person, he shall be holden. What's the word holden means? Here's how you and I would say the word holden today. He shall be held with the cords of his sins. 
Proverbs 5.22 says that your sins will capture you. They're like a net. They'll ensnare you. They will trap you. It says his own iniquities shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of his sin. See, wicked people get caught in sin. They get trapped by sin. John 8.34, Jesus said this. You have to turn there. Jesus answered, and, and, uh, Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. His own iniquities shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of his sin. Look, just and especially young people, because some of you older people, God bless you, I love you, but you know, no matter how much I show you your face in the mirror, you're just going to keep doing what you're doing. I hope you don't. But you young people, you know, somebody offers you a drink, oh, it's just a drink. It'll be fun. It's no big deal. Okay, there, you, there are so many, what the Bible call a drunkard, what we call today alcoholics, people that are ensnared, that are trapped, that are captured. By, and look, nobody wakes up one day and they're just an alcoholic. They're just a drunkard. Nobody wakes up one day and they've just lost their marriage because they're a drunk. They've lost their job because they're a drunk. They have a DUI. They've lost their license because they're... That doesn't happen. You know how it happens? It starts with one drink. One time you drink. One time you smoke. One time you sniff. One time you put that needle in your arm. One time you go there. You do that. What does sin do? It keeps you longer than you want to stay. It'll cost you more than you meant to pay. Whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. And you know what? Wicked people, you can look at those people and say, oh, they look like they're having so much fun. Those people are trapped and ensnared in their sins. His own iniquities shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of his sin. Go back to Job chapter 18. Job chapter 18. So we see that wicked people live in darkness. We see that wicked people get wrong, get and give wrong counsel. We see that wicked people live in uncertainty. We see that wicked people get caught in sin. Let me give you a fifth one tonight. Notice what Bildad says again. All of this is wrong about Job, but it's true in general about wicked people. Number five, generally speaking, wicked people live in fear. Now that's similar to, but a little different than the uncertainty. The sky is falling. Wicked people live in fear. And look, when we say wicked people, we're talking about just people who, who don't know God, who don't have a relationship with God, who don't walk with God. Just your average unsaved person is a fearful person. Just realize that. Job 18, verse 11. Terrors shall make him afraid on every side and shall drive him to his feet. Look at verse 14. His confidence shall be rooted out of his tabernacle, and it shall bring him to the king of terrors. You know what wicked people do? They live in fear. Go to Leviticus, if you would. Leviticus 26. Leviticus 26. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. The average unsaved person, the average unsaved person who does not know God, who does not walk with God, just, just mark it down. They live in terror. They live in fear. I mean, this is why the Bible says, you ever wonder about that verse we use out soul winning, but the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable murderers and whoremongers, soldiers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth the fire and brimstone. I mean, the fearful is the first thing on the list. But you know, if, if, you, if you open your eyes a little bit and you kind of pay attention, you'll realize that unsaved people and wicked people, people that live as if there is no God or live as if, as if they don't know God, they just live in constant fear. This is actually a punishment connected to sin. Leviticus 26, look at verse 16. I also will do this unto you. I will even... Notice what, notice what, notice what, uh, what, what the Bible says here, what God says. I will even appoint over you terror. I will appoint over you terror. I mean, isn't that, I was in high school when September 11th happened. And from high school till, you know, like last year, our whole country, you know, a couple of years ago maybe, the key word of the United States of America was terror. Terror and terrorist. Everything's, you know, everybody's a potential, 
you know, terrorists, and, and, and you say, yeah, you don't hear about terror anymore. Yeah, because we found something else to fear, coronavirus. I will also do this unto you. I will even appoint over you terror, and when that's over, consumption, and the burning ague, and shall, that shall consume the eyes, and cause, notice, sorrow of heart, and ye shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemies shall eat it. Look at verse 36, same chapter, Leviticus 26, 36. And upon them that are left alive of you, I will send a faintness into their hearts in the land of their enemies, and the sound of the shaken leaf shall chase them. And they shall flee as fleeing from a sword. And they shall fall when none pursueth. Go to Deuteronomy 28, look at verse 65. We're going to look at... Uh, Proverbs quoting Leviticus 26 here in a minute. Deuteronomy 28, Leviticus numbers Deuteronomy, Leviticus numbers Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 28, verse 65. And among these nations shalt thou find no ease, neither shall the sole of thy foot have rest, but the Lord shall give thee there, notice, a trembling heart, and failing of eyes, and sorrow of mind. Look verse 66. And thy life shall hang in doubt. That's the uncertainty. The sky is falling. Before thee, and thou shalt fear day and night, and shalt have none assurance of thy life. In the morning thou shalt say, Would God it were even, and at even thou shalt say, Would God it were morning, for the fear of thine heart wherewith thou shalt fear, and for the sight of thine eyes which thou shalt see. Go to Proverbs 28 if you would. Proverbs 28, look at verse 1. You got Job, Psalms, Proverbs. Look, you know what? Wicked people live in fear. And if you want an example, just look at, look at our society with coronavirus. I mean, you've got unsaved people just scared to death. And again, look, we should be careful. A prudent man foreseeth evil and hideth himself. We understand that. If you, if you live in high risk, you, you are high risk, or you've got a situation that has compromised your health, we understand that. We're not saying to be uh, unwise about those things. But look, generally speaking, 99% of people are going to be fine. They're not going to die from coronavirus. But, I mean, you listen to the media, you listen to the politicians, and it's like the black plague is out there. I mean, if you lived in a different world, if you did not live in, in, um, on planet Earth, and you just had media to, like, explain to you, you know, what's happening on Earth, you would think that, like, the four horsemen have landed, you know, and just, you know, a quarter of the Earth is just being destroyed uh, but, you know, you say, why do they act like that? Because they live in fear. Because they're afraid. Because they live in terror. And, that, and again, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be cautious. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't be smart. But, you know, God's people, we don't, we don't have to be afraid. Amen. And, generally speaking, we aren't afraid. I mean, you got people, they're like, you know, j- jumping away from you if you're not wearing a mask or something. You know, and it's like, we're outside. You know, it's like, you, it's, it's just this odd thing. But you say, how, how, you know, and people think like, oh, it's just because they're watching TV all day. And, and I agree with that. That's part of it. But you know why? You know why they're watching TV all day? Because they're fearful. Because they're afraid. And this is a truth of wicked people. Wicked people live in fear. So don't get caught into that. You know, again, be cautious. There's nothing wrong with that. Be wise. But don't live your life just in fear. Proverbs 28, look at verse 1. Proverbs 28, verse 1. Notice what the Bible says. The wicked flee when no man pursueth. But the righteous are bold as a lion. You know, the wicked, they live in fear. So they're just fleeing. They're just afraid. You know, people say, be scared. And they just start running. And no no one's even pursuing them. Nothing's even going to happen. They're going to be fine. My my wife and I went to a store recently and they, they were playing the radio and they had this ad going on. And it's this lady, you know, on, on this radio ad. And, and she's just, you know, being super dramatic, you know, just like crying. And she's talking about this coronavirus ad, you know. And she's talking about her dad dying uh, from coronavirus. I, I don't know if it was a real thing or an actress or whatever. But, you know, she's talking about like, you know, when they told me that he was going to die from coronavirus. And then she just starts like wailing like on this radio thing. And she's like, I just want to hug him one last time. You know, it's supposed to be this like heart wrenching thing, but I'm thinking to myself like, okay, your da- let's say your dad's 80, you're probably like 45. Hug him! You're not gonna die from coronavirus. Maybe your 85 year old father is dying from coronavirus, but you're probably not gonna die from coronavirus. So why are you on this radio trying to make me afraid? 
you're probably not going to die from it if you're 40. Why don't you just give the man a hug and tell him you love him? You know, but it's just, you know, but they, they, they've designed all of this just to put us in fear, to put us afraid, to make us scared. So, you know, wicked people, they live in fear. That's true. Not about Job, but it's true in general. Go, go back to Job chapter 18. Job chapter 18. Let me give you the last one. We'll finish up. I said, number one, wicked people live in darkness. Number two, wicked people get wrong counsel. Number three, they live in uncertainty. Number four, they get caught in sin. Number five, they live in fear. Here's number six. Notice what he says, verse 15. And he shall dwell in his tabernacle, because it is none of his. Of his. Brimstone shall be scattered upon his habitation. His roots shall be dried up beneath, and above shall his branch be cut off. I want you to notice in verse 16, it says that his roots shall be dried up beneath and above his branch be cut off. So his roots are dried up and his branch is cut off. These are two things that a tree would need to produce fruit. You need roots to produce fruit. You need branches to produce fruit. Look at verse 17. His remembrance shall perish from the earth. No one's going to remember him. And he shall have no name in the street. He shall be driven from the light into darkness and chased out of the world. He shall neither have, notice, son nor nephew among his people, nor any remaining in his dwellings. They that come after him shall be astonished at his day as they that went before were affrighted. You say, what is this referring to? Well, notice it says that there's no root, there's no branch. No one remembers him. He shall have no name, he neither have son nor nephew, nor any remaining. They that come after him shall be astonished. What does this mean? Here's what it means. Wicked people, they leave no legacy. At least no legacy worth keeping. Go to Psalms, if you would, Psalm 145. Because here's the thing. If you're just a wicked person, and even if you're just like, you know, the most successful whatever... They name a day after you. They give you a holiday. You know, if you die and go to hell, it wasn't worth anything. And we might, you know, people might remember you here on earth, but you know what? A thousand years from now or during the millennial reign, no one's going to be celebrating that holiday. No one's going to remember you because you're dead and in hell. Wicked people leave no legacy and they leave no legacy Worth remembering. But you, you, know who, you know who we, we will talk about, though, during the millennial reign? We'll still talk about Abraham. Amen. We'll still talk about David. Amen. We'll still talk about, you know, Paul. I mean, we, we might not celebrate Abraham Lincoln's birthday, but we'll celebrate, you know, the patriarch Abraham's birthday, probably. Amen. So wicked people, they leave no legacy. And I'm just saying, you know, when I say wicked people, I'm talking about just unsaved people, people that just live as if there is no God, just live for this world. You know, when you live for this world, it all ends here. Psalm 145, look at verse 4. Notice how we should live. Psalm 145, verse 4. One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. You know, we, we should be living for the next generation. There is no success without succession. If you and I have this Verity Baptist Church and it's this great soul winning machine and we live for God and, 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 and we take strong stands and we fight the Lord's battles and we do all those things. Look, if we do all these great things for God, we start all these churches, we do all these great things in our generation and then the next generation doesn't live for God, we failed. There is no success without succession. We must make sure that our children, that, that we pass down the faith that we pass down the soul winning, that we pass down the standards, that we pass down the hard preaching, that we pass down the King James Bible. One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. Go to Psalm 78, Psalm 78. And by the way, you know, sometimes people look at uh, uh, people like me or people like Pastor Anderson or Pastor Mejia or the other pastors that we're friends with, and they think that, you know, we're, we're some new thing. No, there's no new thing under the sun. You know what? We're, we're, we've just taken what was passed down to us. Hard preaching was passed down to us. Soul winning was passed down to us. 
Being an independent fundamental Baptist was passed down to us. And we want to pass it down to the next generation. Psalm 78, verse 4. We will not hide them from their, from, uh, their children. Showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works and He, uh, wonderful works that He hath done. So generally speaking, wicked people leave no legacy. Now this is not true about Job because you know what? During the millennial reign, we'll be talking about Job. But, so Bill is applying it incorrectly to Job, but it is true, generally speaking, about wicked people. Wicked people leave no legacy or no legacy worth remembering. But you and I get to step into history with the heritage of God's people. And we should be proud of that. And we should pass that down, pass that down to the next generation. Uh, go to Job 18 and Proverbs 13. We'll finish up right here. Uh, Job 18 and Proverbs 13. Job 18, 21. Notice what Bildad says. Surely such are the dwellings of the wicked. And this is the place of him that knoweth not God. And if I could speak to Bildad, here's what I, I would say. I would say, Bildad, you are right, just not about Job. Everything you said was wrong about Job. Does not apply to Job. But everything you said, Bildad, generally speaking, is pretty accurate about the wicked. Surely, such are the dwellings of the wicked. And this is the place of him that knoweth not God. Proverbs 13, verse 15, we'll end with this verse. Proverbs 13, verse 15. I feel like this verse kind of sums it all up. Wicked people live in darkness. Wicked people get and give wrong counsel. Wicked people live in uncertainty. Wicked people get caught in sin. Wicked people live in fear. Wicked people leave no legacy. Proverbs 13, 15. The Bible says this, Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of the transgressor is hard. You know what's better than living in darkness, getting wrong counsel, living in uncertainty, being caught in sin? Living, you know what's better than that? It's living for God. Knowing God. Walking with God. Pleasing God. Because the way of the transgressor is hard. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this chapter. And Lord, uh, even though it was completely wrong about Job, uh, we can't identify that it was accurate about wicked people in general. And uh, Lord, we pray um, that you would uh, please uh, help us to learn that, please help us to understand that, and that we would uh, be able to learn from it. Lord, help us to not live uh, wicked lives, but Lord, help us to learn how to live the opposite to not live like we don't know you, like we don't have a relationship with you, but to live like we know you and we have a relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.